listening to an audio sermon from Harvest Bible Chapel, Kelowna. For more information about our church, please visit harvestkelowna.ca. This morning we're taking a bit of a break from our series in the Beatitudes in Matthew chapter 5. And uh, we're taking this as a special Sunday to be a Sunday where we have come to the end of our ministry year. And we've been enjoying and, and just so blessed and encouraged by what God is doing in little areas and in bigger areas in our lives. And in the lives of people in our church and in our church family. And having this special family service like we have already. And, and we'll continue on later on at the park a little later on this afternoon afternoon, enjoying some food and some celebration, and, and, and part of family is also saying farewell and, and a time for us to be able to uh, talk with Natalie. You won't be able to talk very much. Well, you can talk to Shayon. He won't talk much to you. He still, from last Sunday, has lost his voice and can barely talk, and so um, Natalie all week has been singing that old hymn, Blessed Quietness, Holy Quietness, around the house because he's not, and at the office, same thing. There has been very little coming out of his mouth, but um, special time for us to be able to say farewell to them and then last next Sunday will be uh, sadly their last Sunday with us and and yet this is family life we celebrate and we, we we laugh together we welcome together we greet one another we we also get sad together and we say goodbye to one another or not a, a long goodbye it will be a see you later because we have eternity to look forward to and and plus many visits we believe um, in the meantime in that and so this morning though what we're going to do is as the ministry year comes to an end and oftentimes we think okay I can take my foot off the gas pedal and oh just kind of coast into the summer no we're not going to do that we can't do that we're going to come back and we're going to revisit the mission the mission that God has placed each one of us here on this earth for and and ultimately this is the mission of God that spreads the universe this is his goal his plan is that we would come to know him and then we would join the mission that he would have here for us and so we're going to unpack this here this morning but before we do that I'm going to start out with a question and and here's a question, and I'm sure there's a whole bunch of things that will start racing through your mind when I ask this. I wonder if you can all think of something, or many things, things that you started with great gusto and great enthusiasm and excitement, and then you started to slow down, kind of peter out, and then it's just kind of been dropped, and you've never finished it. How many of you have that? And you're in church. It's a movie theater, but you are in church. Do not lie. I'm sure all of us can think of various things. A project around the house that still sits unfinished and you look at it or your spouse looks at it every day and sees that unfinished project. Or maybe it's that book or many books that are stacked up on your nightstand that you have, have not, you started but you haven't finished. Or maybe it's a course or a class that you started and you took. Maybe school itself. Right, father-in-law? He's here visiting today. He never finished school. He kind of bowed out part ways too. I never let him forget that and yet I think in many ways he is much smarter and wiser than I am and, and, and yet maybe we've kind of bowed out and haven't finished courses or classes or school or maybe it's a series on Netflix you started it and eh, kind of lost interest or maybe it's a, a workout program or a diet you, you started on the diet but you weren't getting enough to eat so you decided to do two diets at the same time so you hopefully would get enough during that time and you kind of lost interest in both of them part of the ways through or maybe you signed up to and, and committed yourself to be in a small group earlier this past year, but, and you fill in the excuses and the reasons as to why it never continued, why it kind of petered out. Or maybe you started in the new year a Bible reading plan and said, I'm going to get after this. This is going to be the year. I'm going to do it. And 
but things have happened, and again, you fill in the reasons and the excuses. Or you made a resolve to be generous with your, with your time or with your tithing, with your gifts towards God in the area of serving or volunteering in a particular area. You said, I'm going to get after it, I'm going to do this, and again, for various reasons, kind of died out or petered out in that area. And sometimes the reasons are legitimate, and there's good reasons and, uh, for stalling, but oftentimes the reasons aren't very good, and, and they're oftentimes things of, we're lazy, we lack self-discipline, we, we, we kind of pull away, we get distracted, we get lured, pulled away by other things. Or maybe it's a certain element of fear that sets in and, and, and fear can paralyze you from taking that next step or for continuing on. You kind of came to a certain level and now you just kind of, you know, because of reasons of fear and anxiety of taking that next step. Or maybe it's because of storms or trials or difficulties that have come your way. Or there's been opposition that's just been kind of beating you up as you've been trying to progress in some of these areas. Especially on the spiritual level. And, and there's just been opposition and fighting. And sometimes it's just easier. It's easier. It's easier. It's not the better way. But it's easier to just quit or just to give up or just to take our foot off the gap gas pedal, but we don't want to do that today. We want to talk about the mission that God has called us, and we want to kind of go full force into the summer. And I'll be honest with you, there's a, there's a part, um, I've told a few family members, I've told a few other people, I'm tired, I'm weary. It's been a long ministry season. Since January, it seemed almost every month for the first four or five months, it was traveling somewhere that involved anywhere from three to, what, um, 10 time zones and, and, and these traveling and different things that are going on. And yet, folks, we just don't want to coast in and slow down into the summer. We want to kind of uh, take today and we, we want to celebrate what God is doing and we want to press on. We want to press on through the summer. We want to trust God. Do you have faith to trust God for those areas in your life, for the victory that is still need that is still out there that we need to go after that that unsaved person that you've kind of given up on praying for or ever seen or hoping that they've come to into the kingdom of God these things let's press into it and trust God this would be an amazing summer for us as a church an amazing fall season as we we get re-geared and refocused into the fall ministry season and so let's visit what that mission of God is Today we're going to talk about not just um, starting the mission of God, and, and we want to talk about pushing it on to completion, pushing it on to what God has called us to do. You see, when it comes to the Christian life and the mission of God, it's not just the start that's important. The start is very important, how we started. And sometimes in sports, they say, it's not how you start, it's how you finish. You can have a lousy first quarter, you can have a lousy second quarter, and then at halftime, the coach gives you a good talking to, or you can have a lousy first or second period, but then they say, hey, let's get out there and win the third period, or let's go out and win the fourth quarter, or whatever it is. And you can get out there and you can save what happened with a lousy start. In the Christian life, the start is vital. How you start the Christian life is vital. But it's important that we press on to completion and we finish the tasks that we have been given, that one day that we stand before God and the most important thing that we would hear from him would be well done, good and faithful servant. Today we're going to talk about how to be that faithful servant, how to press on to the mission of God. You see, when it comes to the Christian life and, and, and the mission of God, again, a reminder, it's not how you simply start. The start is important, but it's finishing and, 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 and finishing strong. And you do that by staying the course, by being steadfast in the faith and pressing on no matter what takes place. A stain and a steadfast place, faith pleases and brings glory to God. A stain, power, and a steadfast faith 
fulfills the mission that God has for us. And so this morning, we're going to be reminded of that mission, what we've been called into. And maybe you haven't been called into it yet because you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior today. You have an opportunity to, to change that and to join the mission that the God of this universe has created you for. And if you've given your heart to Jesus Christ today, it's time to perhaps realign or reaffirm and reevaluate where you've been at and to get on the mission that God has called us to be a part of that he's called us into. And today is a perfect day for that reminder, for that mission. Today is a perfect day because it's, you know, the start of summer and, and, and we can kind of reroute the drifting that I was talking about a little earlier and just how our schedules and everything kind of slow down and everything. And no, it's time to, to utilize the slowness of schedule to, to, to get busy in some other areas and allow God to, to grow spiritual disciplines and even mission in our lives throughout this summer. So I want to press all of us and encourage us all to press into this mission. And this isn't just the mission of Harvest Bible Chapel Kelowna or of all the GCC churches located around the world. This is the mission that God has for each one of his children, no matter what denominational stripe you might wear. And this actually, it isn't optional, it is a command, and it is something we are all commanded to do. And so today, as far, we've witnessed some exciting things, baby dedications, some graduation celebrations, these accomplishments, as well as baptism testimonies, and so it's a good day for us to be reminded of this mission. And as you can see this morning, we have some of these new banners. We took the banners that are normally in here, put them in the lobby, and from Sunday from, to Sunday at times, we'll kind of swap them out just, just to remind you of these things. And, 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 and we have the reminder of what our mission is. And, and this is a mission that you'll see in Harvest Bible Chapels and other GCC churches around the world. To glorify God through the fulfillment of the Great Commission, doing this in the spirit of the Great Commandment. We're going to talk about what that mission is today, what the mission of God is, what is the Great Commission. We're we're going to look at that this morning, but then also goes on in the spirit of the great commandment. In Matthew 22, Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your strength. And, and then it goes on to say, and then out of that love for God, love others. And so we're going to, the mission that God has for us is to fulfill the great commission, but to do that in a heart and an attitude of love. And so this is what we want to be looking at here this morning. To glorify God through the fulfillment of the Great Commission. What is that Great Commission? Well, in Matthew 28, we see it very clearly. We want to glorify God to do what he has called us to do. And so here it is. Let's, let's read it. And, and we're going to do something we often don't do is we're going to actually have the passage that we're digging into on the screen. Usually we want you to be looking in your Bibles, encourage you to still be doing that because there's going to be some things that encourage you to underline because there's some important truths there, but encourage you to look on the screen because then you'll see some of these important words that we're going to talk about here this morning. Go therefore, it says in verse 19, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Now, there are certain key words in that passage, and, and, and we're going to look at those key words here this morning, and the key words in the text that we want to unpack, and, and you may want to underline them, are the word go. Make disciples, 
baptizing and teaching. There, they should be underlined there in, uh, on the screen for you and encourage you to even underline those in your Bibles. Now, those are four action words, it would seem, and you may conclude, okay, there are four things we gotta get after. There are four verbs, there are four action words that we need to do. There are four commands here that Jesus is giving, and these are his final words, some of his final words before he sends up into heaven, and he's speaking to his disciples, and if you are a follower of his today, he's saying this, here is your command. Here is what I want you to get after. And so you see these four very powerful action words. However, when you study this verse in its fullness and understand it in uh, literary terms, there is actually one verb and there are three participles. And, and you say, what is a participle? You know, back to English class. And, and you say, I thought I came to church. You know, not English class. Well, it's important to understand English or understand the Greek in which it was written that when they placed it into English, and it's important that we have this understanding because it changes the whole thing and how we look at this. And so there's these three participles, but there is one controlling verb, and that one controlling verb in here is make disciples. We are to go, therefore, and make disciples. That's the mission for every follower of Jesus Christ. And how are we to be going about that? Those other three words, if you go back, just back to the passage there, just, just go back to the previous screen, please, you'll see that we end up doing that. We, we make disciples by those participles, by going, by baptizing, and by teaching. It's all about making disciples. Notice it doesn't say, go therefore and be disciples. He says, make disciples. It doesn't simply say, be a Christian and try to live just a good life for yourself. Or it doesn't say, go to church or, or lead a small group or volunteer or anything along those lines. It says, be a disciple. To, it doesn't say be, or now I'm getting it all mixed up here. It doesn't say be a disciple. It says make disciples. So primarily, first and foremost, before we can make disciples, we have to be a disciples, but we just don't stop there. We move on to make disciples. And you might think, is that really my job? Is that really something I need to do? You know, making disciples, you know, that's for the paid professionals, it's for people like you, Meldon. You're, you're paid to, to, to make disciples. You're paid to do the work of the Lord. I like the, the one comment I heard years ago. It kind of stuck with me that as pastors, we are, uh, we're paid to be good. Essentially, we're paid to be good. The rest of you, you're good for nothing. <laughs> Love that. And, it, it, you know, and, and there's some truth in that, and yet there isn't because we shouldn't be paid to have to, to, to live a good life or, or, or that is what we're forced to do. It's true God did not call all of you into vocational ministry like he did for me. And I'm telling you, uh, and, and I, I think most pastors would agree to this, that most weeks there's a resignation letter that you would love to be able to just take and sign. You have this imaginary resignation letter in your mind and, and you just think, I want to quit. I want to do something else. And, and, and that usually hits a lot of pastors Sunday afternoon and into Monday and then slowly you start kind of coming out of that valley and, and continuing on. And, 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 and that's a common kind of occurrence for many pastors, myself included. And, and yet when God calls you, you are to be faithful. When God calls you, you honor him and you obey him in whatever area he's called you 
you to be in, but he hasn't called you all into areas of full-time ministry. There may be some of you here today, he is calling and you are running and you need to get onto that mission that he is calling you to be a part of. For some of you, it may be in seed form here today where you're young and, and you're starting to think, okay, this is something I need to seriously pursue and I need to pray about and have people stand with me and encourage me and challenge me in the area of ministry. And we would love to be able to do that as a church to encourage you if you believe God is calling you into vocational ministry. But this past week, I had a lady tell me, she doesn't attend the church here, but uh, just a great Christian woman that I was chatting with uh, one day, and, and she said, she says, my job isn't important, Meldon. Your job is important. She says, all our other jobs just pale in comparison to the job that you are to do and the job that God has given you to do. The rest of us, whether we're sitting at a desk or working at a store or a coffee shop, it's not important. What you are doing is important. And that is just so far from the truth. What God has called each one of us, where he has called us and what he has called us to do is to be a part of being a part of the mission of God wherever we are. I think of a number of years ago in a church that we were pastoring in Alberta, we started a building project. Why? Because we wanted to win the lost. We wanted to, to have a greater opportunity, a greater influence, and our building was full, and so we needed to expand and go into a couple million dollar building expansion that tested our faith and, and, and our finances and everything in between. And, and during that time, I remember as we were in the midst of this, we had a construction worker who came onto the site. And this construction worker was just a grumpy fellow. He did not have a love for the Lord. In fact, it was probably very much the opposite. The opposite of love is what? Hate. And I'm pretty much sure he's there, uh, was at that point. And, and I remember the building superintendent coming to me and, and just saying, because we had number of conversations about this worker by the name of Frank, who was there with us, uh, assigned to the project from one of the outside sources that we were subcontracting to. And, and it was to the point where the, the main guy came to me and he said, if you want Frank off of the site, we'll get him off. And yet when we went into that building project, we thought we want to be a witness to the workers that are coming in here. And so there was coffee and there was baking supplied almost every day. And one day a week, there would be a hot lunch served for all the workers. It was amazing how many trades all of a sudden always came out on Tuesday at lunch just to check on that project because they knew there would be a, a, a hot cooked meal that would be there for them over the lunch hour. And we thought we want to make a difference. But this one guy, Frank, he tested everyone's limits. And we almost, it came to the point where the building superintendent said to me, he says, you want him off? We'll get him off. We'll get him assigned to another job where there's no people around that he can offend or hurt or, or it, not hurt, but just, you know, be, you know, troublesome to. And for some reason, I could not do it. It was just, he says, you make the call and I couldn't do it. I thought, what mission are we called to be of? Even as we're building a building, it is to be about the mission of God. And how exciting, about a year and a half later when that building was completed, Frank was baptized at that dedication service. A heart changed. And the reason why I share that is Frank is here with us today visiting from Alberta and just so reminded of that truth and that reality of what Jesus Christ did in his life, but in our lives, that it wasn't just about building a building. It was about the mission of God, about seeing God's kingdom come alive and to see others join the kingdom as a part of even that project that we are a part of. It's taking where you're at, your various 
abilities, your backgrounds, your experiences, your influences, right where God has placed you right now, where he's placed me right now with the various even spiritual gifts, we are to use all of that in order to go and to make disciples. That is what we are called to do. And so when it says go and make disciples, the real read on there is more like as you are going, whatever you are doing, whatever, wherever... Your car, wherever your body, wherever you go during the day, even on the internet and the conversations you may have through social media and that with people, we, it is about being, being a disciple and then making disciples as we go through our day. Remember, we have a higher calling and mission than just living for ourselves, living for a retirement, living for the 70, 80, 90, 100 years that God may grant to us. It's about eternity. And it's about investing our lives in the lives of others. Not just for the sake of having lots of friends around us. It's about the friends that we have around us telling them about Jesus. It's why this church was started three and a half years ago. Not simply to build a crowd, not to get the Harvest brand or the GCC brand further out west or anything like that. This church was not started to simply be a social club, not started because it was a group of disgruntled or anything like that. It wasn't started because it was to be a place where people could come and make business connections. It wasn't started to be a place where people could come and be Jesus admirers or Jesus consumers but a place where we would come together and we would pray together and grow together and be transformed by the power of God. This wasn't started, this church, to be a place where we would fulfill our own desires and plans and agendas and kind of have a little God dust to sprinkle it on so we have a church that we call our home. This church wasn't started so people could just come and kind of cash in on the promise of heaven to be that kind of insurance policy for when life gets hard. It wasn't started for that. This church was started so that we would make disciples. You see, heaven doesn't celebrate the number of people who attend a church on a Sunday morning. Or how many hands get raised to pray a prayer. To say that they accepted Jesus. What really matters, what heaven does celebrate, are true disciples. It counts true and authentic followers of Jesus Christ. It's people who have come to know and understand the gospel. That God is a God of love, but he's also holy. He's perfect. And that we as human beings, we have all sinned. Even cute little Micah James. Cute son, but oh, what a sinner. You're going to see a temper. Have you seen a temper in him yet? It'll come. You just wait. It'll come and you're going to see. I mean, he's incredibly selfish already. He cries when he's hungry. Well, like, what about that? You know? and, and the Bible tells us that we are all born with a sinful bent towards sin, towards selfishness, towards our own way. We can't help it. It's because of the fall of Adam and Eve and what took place in the book of Genesis. And so we all have this sinful bent between us, between us and God. And it causes a separation in relationship now and also for eternity. It results one day in eternity, an eternal separation in hell. But the good news is, the good news is who we've been worshiping here today. The good news is Jesus and the gospel and it's understanding what he has done. It's understanding that, yes, we deserve to die for our sins. We deserve punishment. We deserve the wrath of God because of God's holiness and his purity. But it's understanding that Jesus came to this earth and lived that perfect life. And as Nate said, his righteousness 
was placed on us and our unrighteousness was placed on him, the great exchange that took place. And when we turn to him in a surrendered heart, asking him to forgive us of our sins, the judgment came innocent. We are once guilty, now declared innocent by Jesus Christ. Because of Jesus Christ, the righteous, God the Father declares us innocent and forgiven, cleansed. And one can only receive this personally on their own. It happens when a person does it. It's not some ceremony that happens over you. It's when a person admits and confesses that, yes, they are sinners and believe in what Jesus Christ has done. And then it's a matter of committing our lives to bring glory to him. That is the gospel. And if it is truly received, it will also authentically be lived out over the long haul. See, the start is important. And the end is important, but it's how we live it out that is also very important. You see, a true conversion leads to a lifelong discipleship, which means that we go on to pursue Jesus for the rest of our lives and do all that he's commanded us to do. We see that in the Great Commission, that we are to go and and to teach, and then we are to teach all that Jesus Christ commanded us to do. And so a great summary of what a disciple looks like is on these new banners over here. First of all, A disciple of Jesus Christ is someone who abides, has a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, what we were just talking about. Someone who connects, connects with God, but also with his church, with the the family of God. And then also who shares with others the good news of Jesus Christ. And how do we go about living that out? And some of this is is hard for you to see, especially in the back. But you can go online, top right-hand corner of our website. You get this whole explanation. And how can we live this abide, connect, and share out while we talk about the 5G life? An intentional pursuit of God daily. Daily being in contact with God in worship, in prayer, in the word of God. That's where the power, that's where the strength, that's where the orientation towards the word and the way of God will happen. The world's going to pull you in every other direction, but God pulls us through his word and teaches us by his spirit. A love for God's family and gathered weekly worship. It's a commitment to be people who gather. It's it's gather time, gathering together weekly. And then group time, being in a commitment, having a commitment of consistent growth with one another in our lives. We need one another. We need the body of Jesus Christ to help us grow in our sanctification. That's the way we've been designed. That's the way God made us. And for us to be living out. And then give time. Resolve to steward the gifts God has entrusted to us. And then also the go time. As we are going, as we've already talked about. Go and make disciples. To share the good news of Jesus Christ locally and globally. That is the charge that has been given to us here today. And so we have this command. We have this commission that we have been given from God. You see, God does not save a person just to give them assurance of heaven and fire insurance from hell. So that we can, he doesn't save us so we can just go out and live our best life now and pursue our own goals and dreams and plans and toys and all of these things. It's about living out the mission of God. Is there anything wrong with having goals and dreams and plans? Not at all. But may they all encompass and revolve around the mission of God to make disciples. That as we are going into the business field, as we are enjoying God's beautiful creation, as we're involved in sports, as we're at the gym, as you're at the library, at the mall, at the coffee shop, that it's about the mission of God and what he has placed upon our lives. Yet we can become so distracted and we drift into areas of complacency or wrong thinking 
where our time in God's word or, or praying is just something that we just kind of endure. We're just like, oh, I got to do it. You know, got to stay disciplined or ah, it's not that big of a deal. Something we endure rather than a relationship to be enjoyed. And church ends up becoming just simply a place where we attend or put in some time, you know, if it kind of works. And where it's not a place where we end up rolling our sleeves and committing or a place where, you know, or or sometimes for some it just, you know, a place where we just come and get fed and, you know, but don't feed others. No, we are to feed feed others. It's not to be a place where we just come and consume and receive and not to give. It's a place where we come and consume and receive, but then we give it out to others. A place... The church is to be a place where we hear about love and forgiveness, but then also take and extend that to others as we apply God's love and forgiveness to our lives. It's to be a place where we hear about the power and the victory over sin, and then to experience it personally as we walk in accountability and authenticity with others. That is the mission that God calls us to be a part of. And sometimes people are saying, we're hearing this more and more, each and every week it passes by, you see little articles, some say church is no longer needed or relevant. The only problem with that is God's word. God's word would not agree with that. God's word says that the church is needed and it is relevant. Yes, there's times where styles and different ways that we go about things needs to alter and change, but not when it comes to the preaching of God's word. Not when it comes to the proclamation of the word of God. Not when it comes to just preaching 75% of the truth of the word of God because we don't want to offend that other 25% that, from the word of God that could be offensive or not culturally relevant. No, because we want to make whole Christians. And we believe it's a whole Bible that makes the entire Christian. We need the Old Testament and the New Testament. And we need to study it and, and to know the word of God and challenge one another in those truths. And we receive, but then we also give. The mission of God is to be fulfilled in and through the life of the church of Jesus Christ, which is his body. And it's about you and me doing life together. Celebrating the good times like we have this morning, will later on this afternoon, but also to be there in the hard times. It's about studying and growing and learning to forgive Walk alongside one another. See, it's really easy. Sometimes we, we want to just build a group of people around us, of people who we like or who are just, you know, kind of like us or, or like-minded. And then God gave us the church. And the church, just like Harvest Kelowna, we have people from all different walks and backgrounds and thoughts and thinking, and yet we unite around the word of God, around the person of Jesus Christ and the salvation that he offers and through that diversity, we learn and we grow and we stay central to the word of God. And we desire to then go out and to make disciples. We pray together as a church. This happens in small groups or at times over the phone or in the lobby after or before the service at the fuel up time that we have at 845 on Sunday mornings. Or like this past Wednesday night at our prayer night. What a special time. And you can, if you can see in the pictures, identify some of those people, you go and ask them what took place there. It was a special time with God. We spent time together in adoration, confession, thanksgiving. We're praying through the Beatitudes, the ones we've already studied in previous weeks, and just saying, oh God, would they become a reality in our lives? And as the prayer time was coming to an end, 
It just kind of got a sense that I needed to tell the people, hey, we're going in overtime. We celebrate when a hockey or football game goes in overtime, not so much basketball because they take so many breaks and basketball is kind of boring. But, uh, but, but when hockey or there's a football overtime, it's like, woohoo, you know, extra. You know, or when we hear, oh, that movie's like two and a half hours. Yay, Star I mean, if you love, yay, Star Wars, two and a half hours. If you are like me and like, ooh, Star Wars, I think I'll have a nap. You know, I mean, but, but when, you know, we get excited. And, and so this prayer time, it went in overtime and we just said, hey, we need to just take and spend a few moments together and and there's this old hymn that we started out with and, and I just quoted it didn't sing it because that would be painful but it was like this it's me it's me it's me oh lord standing in the need of prayer not my sister not my brother it's me and gave people an opportunity just to come and stand up at the front and 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 with those that were there just to confess an area that that they just need prayer for that they need God to help them and to show them the way and I'm telling you, the things that have been coming out of that and the emails and the text messages. I'll just read you one of the text messages that came. Uh, there, there's one lady who um, is, is, there's some healing that's happening to her physically as a result of uh, our prayer time together. We are praying for another guy in Germany. We are praying for Darren's nephew who was dragged 40 feet by a car. Seven-year-old seven nephew? Seven? Dragged 40 feet by a car, not expected to live, not expected to survive. And yet, the next day, we ended up hearing that he's moving his fingers and his toes. And, and there's some responding, that which, which just has the medical community confused. And we spent time praying for, for Darren, for his family in that way. And I got this text message. It said, actually, after last night, a weight seemed to be lifted. The heaviness is gone. The, the fog has cleared. Maybe prayer does help, and a little smiley, winky emoji kind of thing. I'm grateful for, for all the prayers and the support. And, and, and there's something beautiful when the body of Christ joins together and prays together. I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is. But you read in the book of Acts, and you see how many times there was corporate gathering together as people would pray together. And, and you see the overwhelming presence and the power of God that happened when there was corporate prayer as they would gather together in those ways. There's something that happens when we pray corporately as the body of Christ, something that even transcends it seems even our own personal, and it can fuel our own personal prayer time because we see God come alive and we see authenticity and we see people sharing where they're at and to find out we're all messed up. We all have dysfunction. We all have hurt. We have confusion. We have fears, but we have a greater God and I'm going to go to prayer for you and you're going to go to prayer for me and we're going to stand together and pray together. This is what the church, the family, the body of Christ is to be about. This is the mission that we are called to be a part of. And we see that. So clearly, lost people saved. Saved people matured. Matured people multiplied all to the glory of God. And when God changes a heart, the heart changes the person, and the person changes the world. That is the mission that we are called to be a part of. God changing us. He's changing our heart, taking a heart of stone and turning it into a heart of flesh. Removing our sin, our guilt, our shame, our condemnation, and making us alive, making us clean vessels, fit for his use. And as he changes us, we can have that influence as we go and make disciples. <coughs> Notice in Matthew 28, it goes on to say, baptizing and teaching are two other key words. He says, baptizing, and then it goes on to say, and teaching all the things I've commanded. Now, it's kind of interesting. It really kind of hit me square between the head, uh, square between the eyeballs this past week, is why does he single out the word baptism? Why does he single that word out? Ever thought about it? It kind of seems like kind of a strange ritual or ceremony. Why does he single out baptism? Why didn't he say, go and make disciples of all nations who attend church every week? 
Or go and make disciples who take the Lord's Supper regularly. Or go and make disciples who serve faithfully or give sacrificially. Or go and make disciples who pray always or, or who forgive and love anyone and for anything that they've done. Go and make disciples in that way. Those are all commands. That's all part of the commands and teachings that Jesus has given to us, things that we are to live out. Why does he single out baptism? Why is that kind of singled out and why is that emphasized? So why baptism? Why does he single it out? Because baptism is an important statement and reminder of the gospel. And so here on Baptism Sunday, I just want to close by just taking a few moments just to understand why baptism is important. And today, if you have not been baptized as a believer in Jesus Christ, I encourage you to pay attention because this is for you. This is one of the first and initial steps of being a, a disciple, a follower of Jesus Christ, is to be baptized, not to be pressured into it, but for the Holy Spirit. To impress upon your heart to be baptized, and perhaps you will be later on today in the lake. This is an important truth for us to understand. And you may be sitting here and say, I was baptized like two years ago. I'm good. Or five years ago, or 50 years ago, or I can't even remember, it was so long ago, but I know I was baptized, and you know, you know, and, and you think, oh good, I can take it easy. Are you kidding me? Today is an important reminder of what you committed yourself to on the day that you were baptized. It is to be an important rem reminder of, of the movement of God in your heart years ago, or whether it be months ago, whenever that was. So why did Jesus single out baptism? Well, because of the message that it proclaims. See, Jesus oftentimes, he spoke in parables as a way of illustrating profound points. And believer baptism is a beautiful picture that is given to us as the church, illustrating a profound message, which is the gospel. It is a beautiful gospel picture. And in Matthew chapter 3, you may want to look at that, and we'll be looking at a verse there in a few moments. But in Matthew chapter 3, we see where Jesus himself was baptized, setting an example for us to follow. But then, in the Gospel of Luke, in Luke chapter 12, verse 50, Jesus speaks of a future baptism. So Jesus was baptized, but then he speaks of a future baptism that is to come. And in that, he was meaning the cross. And it was all pointing towards the cross. And believer baptism illustrates the story of the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. As a person goes into the water, it signifies the death. As they go down into the water and are held down, not for very long, but it signifies and, and is a symbol of the burial of Jesus Christ. And comes back up is a reminder of the resurrection and the new life in Jesus Christ. And it is a way that we publicly proclaim. It is a pro public proclamation of an inward reality of what has taken place in our lives. Remember clear Clear as clear can be. Baptism does not save you. No ritual can do that. Only faith, personal faith in Jesus Christ can do that. And Jesus is the only substitute for sin. But baptism proclaims the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. In Romans chapter 6 verse 4. Paul wrote, we were buried therefore with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. And so baptism is a symbol, it is a reminder that we've been raised from spiritual death to spiritual life. It proclaims that our sins have been washed away. 
Water is often used as a, as a means by which we wash and we cleanse and we bring restoration to, to things that are dirty or, or soiled. Our sin can't contaminates us, though, on the inside, and no amount of water can cleanse that. Only the blood of Christ can. And so baptism is with the water. Water baptism is a symbol of our sins being washed away. But it's also, so it is because of the message that baptism proclaims is why it's important. But then next, because of the identification that it declares. Again, baptism has nothing to do with one's salvation. It will not save you. It will not put you in right standing with Jesus Christ. But it is an important part of one's sanctification. It's where we identify with Jesus Christ. And we see that in the life of Jesus in Matthew, um, in, in his own baptism. It's the way we identify. And Jesus even said in Matthew 10, he says, if you acknowledge me before man, I will acknowledge you before my father. He says, and if you don't acknowledge me before others, I won't acknowledge you before my father. It's an important identity that we need to declare. It's putting a stake in the ground, raising a flag, saying, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. And it's not just a once, you know, a Duncan Dunn kind of thing. Not once and you're over it. It's a continual reminder that, hey, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. And I, need, I live by a different set of ground rules than the world. I have a different mission in life than what the world has. It's an initial statement, but an everyday reality that we are to be living out. And so baptism is identifying ourselves as disciples. But this is what we see in Matthew chapter 3 in Jesus' baptism. When Jesus came into the water to be baptized, he did, did so not because he was sinful, but because he wanted to identify with us. Jesus came to this earth to identify with us as sinners. Later on at the cross, he would take our sin upon himself. He would become sin for us. But here at the point of his baptism, he was coming to identify with us. And so when we're baptized, we're identifying with Jesus and what he did and what he commanded. But then this is the cool thing that you end up seeing in verse 16. And it says, and when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water. And behold, the heavens were opened to him. And he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and coming down to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, this is my beloved son with whom I'm well pleased. And so here we have God acknowledging, hey, this is my son. And I'm pleased with him. So Jesus identifies with us as sinners, then when we identify with Jesus and are baptized, just as God the Father identified and said, hey, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased, as we are baptized, it is a way that God also, I believe, says, hey, this is my son, this is my daughter in whom I'm well pleased. There's a blessing, there's a presence, there is an important statement that ends up being made, not just by the person getting baptized, but by God himself as he rewards and, and blesses that obedience. And that brings us to the last one because of the heart that it reveals. And what is the heart? An obedient heart. Baptism as a believer in Jesus Christ is a, is a command that he's given us. And Jesus even said, hey, he says, if you love me, if you love me, you're going to keep my commands. And this is one of those. And the New Testament and in the early church, there was no reference or no category except for one person who was ever unbaptized as a believer. We have no documentation, no understanding of anyone else who wasn't baptized. And who was that? The thief on the cross. He didn't have time to be baptized. I'm sure that if he would have been given time, it would have ended up happening probably sooner than most of us are baptized after coming to faith in Jesus Christ. 
And so we see in the New Testament, we see Jesus commanded it, the apostles taught it, and the early church practiced it. And yet today in our churches, there can be a lot of confusion when it comes to baptism and other forms and modes of baptism, oftentimes involving infants. And one of the interesting things is in the Old Testament time, right up to the days of John the Baptist, there was a form of baptism and various baptism ceremonies that were taking place. They weren't commanded by God, but they were kind of extra ceremonies or rituals that they added. Just as the baby dedication isn't something that is commanded for us to do as believers, but it is a beautiful ceremony and a declaration that is being made. And, and so even in Old Testament times, there was a form of water baptism that was taking place, never with infants. It was always with adults as far as we know. We don't have any um, tradition or anything that involved infant baptism until I believe it was 200 years after the early church began. The New Testament promoted one form of baptism, and it was believer baptism. And a person, that happens when a person has made a personal commitment to Jesus Christ and then is baptized upon confession of their faith. And there are other, there are some infant baptism churches that, that practice infant baptism that see it as a form of salvation. And it clearly isn't. It just is not a form or a way of salvation for an individual. That's, that's just clearly not biblical. And yet there are other church traditions, oftentimes some Reformed or Presbyterian or Methodist that, uh, movements or denominations that practice infant baptism, and it's steeped deep in tradition. And we don't want to take away from the, uh, the importance and, and the significance that that was made in that tradition for that family and for that child. However, it's not commanded in Scripture. And there's nothing in Scripture that indicates that an infant needs to or ought to be baptized but believer baptism is commanded in scripture. And it's something intended for every follower of Jesus Christ to do as it is an outward symbol of an inward salvation that has taken place in your heart. And today, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ and have not been baptized, you can still do it today. Just as, um, as the service ends a little later on, I'd like you to come if you're interested, and it doesn't mean you will necessarily get baptized because there's a little process that I'd like to talk to you about and, and just to clarify a number of things. Um, but there's a good possibility that if the Lord is moving in your heart and you're moving towards this, that you too could be baptized today. There's not an excuse that justifies disobedience. Don't, don't start developing today a discipline of disobedience. Oh, would we be people committed to the mission of God and I encourage you, if God is, is speaking to you about this, and, and I know a number of uh, folks have been considering it, that you would uh, continue in an attitude of prayer to say, okay, what is God wanting you to do? I don't want to force, don't want to pressure. Charlotte and I were very careful with our kids to not force or push them into baptism. I just, they've got to decide on their own and that God's timing is always right. And if some of you were baptized years ago and, and perhaps you've fallen away and you've kind of, you know, we're unsure about a number of things. I'd encourage you to spend time with the Lord today in commitment, in thanksgiving for what he has done and put that stake down anew and afresh in your life of what God has done and what baptism means. Are you living a life of reproduction as far as uh, reproducing yourself as a disciple in the lives of others? And if not, if that's an area of disobedience in your life, I encourage you to Make that right. Confess that before God and determine that it's going to change. Maybe areas where you're drifting. Areas where your identity as a believer is becoming very clouded and your identity as someone being controlled and, and, and following the culture is becoming very, very evident in your life. And you need to confess those areas before God. 
Maybe there's distractions you need to clear out of your life. Remember the mission that we've been given. Don't forget the mission. Remember the call of God upon your life and don't ignore it, but take heed of it.